I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Donon, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. I am Nick Whitfield, one of your regular hosts. I'm going to start off with some um, generic naming admin about this episode. So initially, I thought this was going to be episode 400. And it seems in discussing with some other people, we actually got a bit off track with numbers in that some of our BBL and WBBL podcasts and WNBA podcasts did not follow our normal naming uh, or numbering convention. So we actually had more than that. And then in terms of NBA ones, so what number is uh, became a bit uh, questionable. So we've gone with 399.5 for this episode. And our next episode, without any contention from anyone, will be episode 400, finally. Uh, quite an achievement to get to 400 episodes, uh, well, as I've just alluded to, 400 plus, really, with all the bonus ones. But uh, let's dive straight in to Around the Association. Let's catch up with what's been happening in the NBA. So the Phoenix Suns remain the hottest team in the NBA with, at the time of recording, having now won 13 straight games. They play the Cavs and the Knicks, uh, where, to be honest, they'll probably expect to win those two games, before meeting the Eastern Conference topping Brooklyn Nets on Saturday in a potential finals preview. League pass alert indeed. As just mentioned, after a stuttering start by their recent standards, the Nets have ascended the Eastern Conference, uh, one game ahead of the Bulls and the Heat, And looking at the respective ages of the best teams this year, the NBA is no country for young men. Trademark infringement incoming on that one. The reigning champs, the Bucks, were breaking records too this week. On Monday night, they had a franchise record 41-point lead over the Magic at the half. The Magic only seem capable of beating the Knicks this year. I've written sigh, so you can imagine me sighing. There's a lot of players missing with injuries that have occurred over the last few weeks and a few who are close to returning. So here's a brief brief recap if you haven't been following closely. After a bright start to the season, half of everyone's best-named duo, Sexland, Colin Sexton is out for the season. Of course, he is on my fancy team. Michael Porter Jr. was tipped for great things this season with Jamal Murray out, but he was inconsistent to start the year and is now out until at least Christmas. Yup on my fancy team. John Wall looks no closer to being back on an NBA court with Houston content to sit him despite their current record being 1-16. and Want to guess whose fancy team he's on? In better news and in terms of difference makers nearing a return, uh, Clay Thompson is expected to be back on the floor within the next month and James Wiseman will be bolstering the Warriors' front court maybe as early as next week. Victor Oladipo is likely back within the next fortnight, which is an interesting one to follow. He signed a one-year, just $2.4 million contract with Miami, so he'll be desperate to prove himself. But with minutes hard to come by on a veteran team already playing to a winning formula, it's one to look at. Uh, Zion Williamson's been cleared for contract... uh, I've written contract, I meant contact drills, which is a positive sign, with Joel Embiid likely returning in the coming days after missing eight games at the time of recording. And of that, I'm sure Andre Drummond is delighted. So, on to our guest for today. Um, Really, uh, this guy needs no introduction in the UK basketball circles. He's my jersey supplier. He's your jersey supplier. It is the Sultan of Silk, disappointingly not wearing silk tonight. Uh, But welcome to Elliot, a.k.a. Hooping and Luton. How's it going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Yeah, no silk. That's for uh, Saturday lives only. Okay, so starting with our section called What is your name and where do you come from? I harness my inner Scylla Black to find out a little bit about you. So talk to me about how you became a basketball fan in the first place. Um, basketball started for me young when I was at school. Um, had a passing interest in it, nothing, nothing majorly. Um, then really got back into it when I uh, lived out in Spain, so around 2016, 2017, where there are um, 
you kind of live in old people villages where there's no one under the age of 50. Um, but every village has a basketball court. Um, and they love their basketball on Spanish TV there. The commentary was all in Spanish. So I had no clue what they were saying, but it's kind of the only option to go on. So I started really getting back into it from there and realised, yeah, I actually love this. So here's a very specific question, uh, which won't be interesting to anyone who doesn't know the area. But for anyone listening, uh, Elliot and I are from initial or originally from quite similar areas quite nearby. So have you ever played at the basketball court by Manor Park in Aldershot? By Manor Park? Yeah, just at the top of it. Uh, no. Sad times. But... I have uh, played and I found out that where I used to work on Farnborough Airport, every single day I used to walk past a basketball court that I didn't know was there, but where GB team trained at. So every single day I used to walk past it and had absolutely no idea it was there. A little uh, fun story. So you are uh, unapologetically a Brooklyn Nets fan. What was it about that franchise in particular that drew you in? Uh, simple, really. It's the culture. Um, big Jay-Z fan. And um, if anything, before getting into basketball, I've, I've always been into the culture and jerseys of basketball. So it was the playing black and white jerseys is just what drew me in. It's just a cool vibe. Is that why you, uh, in getting in the BBL, also were drawn to the Eagles, at least at first? You could uh, keep no. that same colour scheme going. The Eagles was voted for me by Twitter. Okay. Uh, I put a poll up when I was moving to Manchester saying, uh, I think it was four teams involved. The final got to the Manchester Giants and the Newcastle Eagles. And the Eagles fan accounts got hold of the, uh, got hold of the poll and shared it around quite vividly. You must have felt quite trolled living very close to Manchester, but Twitter voting for Newcastle. Like I said, I didn't quite realise how big the North was. I've never sort of looked this side of the wall being from down south of Bond. I thought it was quite a small place than Scotland, but that is a good three hours away from <laughs> So as you were getting into uh, the next then, uh, you mentioned Jay-Z already. Was it that kind of era when they had the like uh, the former Celtics in like Pierce and Garnett and those guys? Is that the sort of teams you were watching first? It was more... Towards the next, as I got back into basketball, I didn't have a team. Um, so it was more when Jay-Z had had to leave because of Rockefeller, but it was still just the the hype around it. That's why I remembered it was more the last season of D-Light, um, where it just seemed quite a cool vibe. And obviously we had the um, the B jerseys, the black with the um, multicoloured uh, seams. So it was just from there, but it was the link with Jay-Z, still always linked with them, which which gets me. So who's your all-time favourite net? Is it someone from those like early teams you're watching or is it like someone earlier that you've gone back and watched or is it someone current? So, someone current, but <laughs> a bit controversial at the moment, but I think my, my favourite net is Kyrie. I just, oh, I, that wasn't, I thought you were going for Blake then. No, Blake is my, my favourite human ever, um, but Kyrie would be my favourite Nets basketball player. Uh, so why, why Kyrie? Just because of like how... <laughs> insane the talent level is and how good he is to watch and yeah just things which make you gasp um and sort of think that people shouldn't be able to do um and i've kind of got a thing for people which upset other fan bases so <laughs> that's just added in there <laughs> it's funny with Kyrie as well because all of the uh the nonsense that you can't avoid whichever way you look around Kyrie that's happened for the last couple of years. It kind of is a shame in that it masks just like what an incredible talent he is in terms of since I've been watching basketball, I don't think I've ever seen a point guard who can finish around the rim in as many ways and as creatively as he can on top of being an unbelievable shooter on top of being arguably the best ball handler of all time. It's just like, an un, like, unguardable combination of skills to have together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, it's for another time, it's a different argument, but you know, a lot of people are aware of my points that he gets a bad ride from the press. But in terms of basketball, what he can do, it, in terms of things like layups and things like that, it's just, it's, it's just the athleticism and the, the way he can 
manipulate his body is just an incredible sight to see. And it, it's just something which you don't see elsewhere. So we talked about how you got into the game and like why you chose to support the Nets and stuff. Um, but a lot of people may only know you from your business, uh, Hooping and Luton uh, Jersey Store. So where did the idea for that come from? And like, how long has the store been running now? Uh, well, the store officially opened in March of 2020. Um, so over a year and a half now, so it was a year and nine months. Um, it originally came about because, like I say, I've always been a fan of the culture. Um, and I was trying to get some jerseys for myself and I just found it impossible. I mean, it's, and there's a little entrepreneur in me, which has always been. And I thought, hang on, there's quite a big gap in the market here. And as I was knowing that I was going to be moving back to the UK soon, um, I thought, well, maybe we can try something as a little bit of a little bit of a side hustle. Um, you know, whilst help me whilst I integrate back, it takes a bit of the pressure off and find your full time job. And it just kind of exploded from there. Um, you know, I didn't expect to put as much time and effort in as I did, but if anything, it was more the community which I found there, which kind of gave me a sense of belonging of coming back in, which then gave me the encouragement. There's a there's an opportunity here. There's a chance for you. People responded well to what I was doing. Um, I've done little things like in the past, but nothing ever on a serious basis. Um, so yeah, it just kind of exploded from there. I was very fortunate to find a gap, but then um very fortunate in finding something that i can put my all into and hopefully that reflects in what i do and if it's not revealing any trade secrets you mentioned that there you kind of noticed a gap in the market what was that gap what was it that you thought oh actually i, I could do something better than already exists here or different or because it was so hard to find it it was just fake jerseys <clears throat> um you know, that if you wanted so you, you couldn't go to any shops that do it. Foot Locker did it a little bit, um, but that got completely scrapped. So it was, you know, all you can see is fake stuff. It's quite a a niche market, but not. Um, it's something which is coming more and more back into fashion. And I just because I found it so hard to find something for myself, um, but could see that there were these things available for quite cheap. But if you wanted to buy it new, it was very expensive. So just thought, why not give it a go? Let's see what happens from there. And how aware were you at the time of um, like other people in the space and other uh, people who've been in this space? Because um, like we used to record with uh, Sammy Gunnell at Double Clutch uh, a lot of it, who doesn't do so much of the Jersey stuff anymore, but used to run a store in Camden Market and stuff. Did you already know those people? I know you're close with, um, sorry, I forget the guy's name, who runs a throwback store as well. Who, yeah, I wasn't close. I went into it completely blind. I didn't know any people. I didn't. Have, I wasn't involved in um, any of the socials or anything like that. But I actually reached out, um, reached out to Mark beforehand. It wasn't, a, right, I'm going to run this, let's start from now. I actually spent about six months learning how to spot a fake, building up. A collection from there before launching the website you know we get a lot of people come to me in the same way straight away saying i want to run a website where do you get your jerseys from <laughs> it's kind of like well you need to build up what you're doing you need to get involved with the community have a brand have a personality and this was all help i got from elsewhere luckily i'm i'm not ashamed to reach out to people and ask questions and, and i was fortunate that i found people that were willing to help because there is such a gap in the market that it's quite often misconstrued that me and Mark should be uh, sort of worst enemies competing over the same space. But, you know, there's, there's enough of a market that we can both operate and operate well and we feed off each other. We always always give each other advice, which is a great thing to do. It's, it's quite rare too. So as well as jerseys, uh, not in the commercial sense, but in your personal life, you're also a big sneakerhead. So... What are your what are some of your favourite kicks that you own? I can see some uh, Nets blazers behind you. Yes, they were quite good from uh, America. I like quite strange and out there. I'm not a big, big hype hype person. Um, I avoided Jordans for a long time because of my little sparrow legs. 
that George would just make them look even worse and look like a bit of Wimper Lumper. Um, but my favourites, I've got a lot of 350s, Yeezys, but um, my favourite collaboration is quite recent, which is Nike and Sakai. Um, I've probably pronounced that wrong, but that's how I pronounced it. But I'm up to nine of those now, and I just really enjoy them. They're a little bit out there, a little bit different. Um, so they're some of my favourites. And what is your sneaker grail, if you have one, that you don't already own, that you kind of always wanted to or you've seen recently that you thought, oh, I'd love to have those and you don't currently have them? It's got to be the Red Octobers, isn't it? Yeezy Red Octobers would always be the... Well, no, I'm a big Yeezy stan and just kind of... I like the uh, the rivalry, shall we say, between Nike and Adidas, the hopping. So, yeah, just them. But... That was a big thing recently, wasn't it, with um, Kanye's uh, thing about Yeezy jumping over Jumpman. Was that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeezy just jumps over Jumpman. Yeah, yeah. so, but um, yeah, they'd be the ones, like I'd say, there's a lot of saving, a lot of jerseys to sell to get there, but that's the grail. And in other sneaker news, uh, Brian Windhorse, normally who's like a mainstream sports reporter, last week uh, reported that. Kobe's are becoming increasingly rare, um, despite being one of the most popular signature lines, uh, because the, basically the deal expired with Nike and the Bryant estate. So they're not manufacturing new ones. So there's actually like a limited supply of Kobe's that NBA players are kind of running their way through currently. So have you got any Kobe's? Are you going to be stashing them? or I've got one pair. I've got a pair of the Kobe undefeated, which are the gold ones, the gold and purple. Um which are completely untouched. Um, uh, they won't go anywhere. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that a lot of my trainers don't get worn there for me to look at and to look pretty. They're not to be resold, but I just, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. Um, I think it's been, it's my little bit of Sheldon Cooper comes out that things can't be touched, they can't be open, they've got to stay mint in package. I am similar. I didn't used to be. Uh, when I lived in suburbia, I was always wearing my shoes. Now I've moved for, to the countryside where for eight months of the year, there's just mud everywhere. There, I, I only wear about two pairs of my shoes despite having loads. So completely feel you there. Um, on the topic of basketball fashion, did you see Carl Kuzma's giant pink jumper? And what did you think of it? I... I restrained myself from coming to people. Wear what you want. If you like it, wear what you want. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. You know, uh, big up to him if he wanted to wear. And the thing I liked was the way he took everyone's comments. He's joked back and laughed about it, enjoyed it. I'm a big, big fan of Coos. I think, um, I think he was a very easy target for when not playing basketball well was to comment on other things, which I always find particularly a bit strange. Um, but big up to him if he wants to wear that I wouldn't wear it personally um, because my arms are short enough as it is that that's what most jumpers look like um, but like I say wear what you want if you like it do it if you haven't seen this already I really I strongly recommend you check it out because uh, I'm looking at it now and it looks like a cross between uh, a kid wearing his dad's jumper or he's just like been smacked with a giant slice of ham across his chest <laughs> it's like somewhere in between those two is what his jumper looks like um it did, big it fan did me, it did make me laugh though that some of the older players were coming out like boogie and lebron <clears throat> put something up but when all he'd need to do is just put up pictures for them at draft night where they've stolen their dad's suit and it kind of like ends anything that they can ever say about fashion to them uh, good shout in the Twitch chat. Uh, Richard Fang trying to join in with the shoe chat, uh, saying he's not knowledge about sh about shoes, but just writes Timberlands question mark. Um, if this was 1997, I think they would be pretty cool. Not so much now. I had to put in the group chat a few weeks ago a different group chat. Am I allowed to buy Timberlands? Um, and I actually bought a pair of Timberlands a couple of weeks ago. Good for you. <laughs> Just and that, that's actually a thing I really believe in is uh, buying what you like, not what the brands tell you to like Absolutely. or other people or anyone. Buy what you want. Enjoy what you want. So um, on the topic of uh, we've talked about jersey, we've talked about shoes and 
let's get down to what people want to hear about, which is you have a big drop on Friday, which if you're watching live is in uh, just just a fraction over 24 hours time, a bit more. Uh, if you're listening after the fact, uh, it may be on now. So get on the website. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Friday morning uh, for Black Friday, um, there is 25% of every single item on site. Uh, people will know recently I launched a bargain four or five bucket where everything is £45. There's even 25% off the bargain bucket. Um, so ridiculous savings on jerseys, which are already cheap for the people. That's why I am to do nothing is ever over retail. Whenever I get savings, it's passed on to the people. So from seven o'clock in the morning on Friday uh, and it ends at 11.59 on Sunday night. Um, and then after that, it's a couple of really big months. So we've got the uh, app dropping next month and then the annual Christmas Day drop where we're aiming. I am aiming for a minimum of 200 jerseys being dropped. Nice. Behind me. So on Friday with the sale, is anything, are any new jerseys dropping on that day or can people already be going on the site and looking for what they might want to pick up? No, it's currently everything on site. There's nothing uh, new going on there at the moment because it's it's too much to handle for one person in one go. Um, so anything you've got your eyes on, some have already been going this week, some of the more rarer things, because I think, think people were scared that they'd miss out on them. Um, so they're not even wanting to wait for the discount. But everything on site, save it, put it in your basket, favourite the page, but it will be 25% off. And you don't even have to do anything. The code's automated for you. And just as a reminder, we uh, Elliot's talked about the 45 quid uh, bucket already. And this is like the incentive to keep going back, checking the website, because it's not static. Stuff goes in there from day to day. So do keep going back there, looking, checking for if that jersey you had your eye on has popped in there, you might get lucky. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't even have to pay you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot is a new sponsor of the show, by the way, guys. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Nets this season. Um, we've talked about like your fandom in general. Let's get to this season in particular. What are your kind of what's your overall perspective on how the season has played out so far? I mean, from a serious point of view, um, I said at the start of the season, for the first few months, especially, we're going to have some horrendous losses. There's going to be some absolutely terrible quarters, terrible halves, terrible games, because we're having to work something out completely different again. The Kyrie factor, I'm not going to say whether it's right or wrong, but it's, it's a massive thing. Not only from him being out of the team, is you then having to change completely how other players are playing. So for us to have had the best start to a season that the franchise has ever had, to be leading the East, when we're supposed to be in crisis is way above what we realistically thought. Obviously, for camera, we should have not lost the game and won every game by 50 points. But being realistic, we're above where we should be, to be honest. And the, with, with the added adversity, with all the circus which is created from ex, it's created externally, we're flying, to be honest. You mentioned the kind of hoopla around the team. I've never used that word before. I'm going to keep using that. The hoopla around the team. Um, but one thing to Brooklyn's credit, I think, is uh, for different reasons, um, Philadelphia has also had the same kind of media attention around the team. Yet Brooklyn has been so much more decisive and quick to act Um in what they've done and how they've responded to it, that I feel like it became a non-story quite quickly in Brooklyn, whereas in Philadelphia, it's just kind of rumbled on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and I think people like Sean Marks and that deserves great credit for the statements which they put out, which eliminated it, but also coming from the players. I mean, there's been no panic or no fuss in the, from the players. Every single person has said, it's Corey's decision, we respect it. And it's gone from there. And I also think it's a big plus point in who Steve Nash is. 
um, that he's very much a, a facilitator as a coach and he's been at the top level as a player, so he understands the the fuss that will go on. Do you have anything interesting to say about Kevin Durant, <laughs> apart from he's just really good at everything? It's just it's just incredible. And I, I've said it elsewhere, you never, I've never realised how good he was until he plays for your team and you just watch him all the time and it's just it's just effortless. It, it, that's that's the one way to describe him is it's just effortless and automatic. It's it's an incredible thing to watch. So one of the ways um that kind of manifests itself is when um so I, I work for Synergy for anyone listening who doesn't know the uh, one of the biggest analytics platforms used in the NBA. And sometimes I'll just be scrolling through um like rankings in the league of on different metrics and they're quite like niche stuff like uh, points per possession as a pick and roll ball handler which that sort of metric is normally like dominated by guards but you'll see Kevin like uh jump shots from the corner and Kevin Durant will be there as and like he he's basically like in every single type of niche metric offensively he'll just be in every single one of them because he's that good it's just it's just unguardable. I mean, that's the thing. You, you hear every single player say it. Is they all get asked, "How do you stop KD?" And they're like, "You, you don't. You just you just do what you can to try and put him off and hope he has a, a very rare off day." Did you see um, the weird social media thing that happened about a picture of Kevin Durant's leg? <laughs> I don't think I did. Okay, so I'm very uncomfortable talking about this as a white person talking about a black person's skin. So none of this is me or my opinion, but lots of NBA players uh, commented on the texture of Kevin Durant's skin. It was very bizarre. Um, and it, the, I think the seeming conclusion is that he has very dry skin and needs to up his skincare game. That seemed to be the conclusion, but the fact it went viral and so many NBA players decided to comment on <laughs> uh, like a two-inch um, patch of Kevin Durant's visible skin above his trainers was incredible. I think he was probably a bit pleased that they gave his hairline a rest for a, for a little while then. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we, we've done kevin durant to death let's talk about james harden who he took a lot of flack at the beginning of the year we've seen something closer to his mvp form uh in the past few weeks how do you interpret james, james harden's harden season, season so far so far um, james harden has had probably the worst press and the most ridiculous slander that I've seen in a long, long time in sport. Um, everything was stacked up against him for the start of the season. So he's come off having no hamstring. He played against the Bucks. He had no hamstring. So he's had an off-season where he's been recovering. He's also then got to face an off-season where he's had a ridiculous um, magnifying glass put on him from the NBA saying they're changing a rule because of Trey Young and James Harden. Um, why they had to name them, I have no idea why they had to name them specifically and why they didn't go after the media darling Steph Curry, who does exactly the same thing. Um, so he's got a target on his back there. And then you add in the Kyrie situation where last season James Harden came in and completely changed his game to be the facilitator. Completely changed the game. Kyrie scored, KD scored, James Harden was a facilitator and the playmaker. Kyrie going out, everyone suddenly expects James Harden to score 40 points a game immediately. Now, I don't care who you are, you're playing in the top level of basketball that there is. You can't just change your game like that. You cannot change from gearing up a whole way to suddenly <clears throat> a completely different game of basketball. So, for everyone to get on his back and start saying he's terrible, he's lost it. And that sounds like me exaggerating, but that's not, that's what we were hearing from people. Let's won't have a chance because James Harden is done, finished. He's now starting to show, he said it at the time, he said, it's going to take me time, I'm still not recovered, I don't feel confident in my leg. Um, to be saying all this in the first six week, weeks of the season was terrible. And we're already seeing him coming back. We're already seeing him putting up 35 points a game. Um, 
he's, he's one of the best players in recent generations in, of basketball that he'll find a way to do it. So I just think it's been a complete over-exaggeration, over-reaction um, to how he's been playing. Yeah, completely agree. Um, one guy I highlighted on um, Matt Hardy's uh, Twitter chat earlier, in the, right at the beginning of the year, was LaMarcus Aldridge. And I can't believe uh, I haven't heard more people talking about how good he's been. Um, because he... Well, A, you probably know more than I do on this, in that w- one thing I haven't... Why, I've just heard no one talking about him at all, and which amazes me, because I watch those games and think, this looks like good, like LaMarcus Aldridge as good as he's ever been, basically. Um, but one thing I was curious about is, I haven't heard anyone talk about what enabled him to come back. Was it a change in his diagnosis, or did he have some kind of treatment? Or do you know, like, what enabled him to get back on the court? I don't know. I mean, it it would have been that he was constantly monitored because they would have had to do that anyway. Uh, I say they, he would have had to do that anyway because of the condition he had. It's not some, it's not like a, a broken leg, which you think, oh, it's going to get better. It's, you know, a heart murmur is always going to be monitored. And I don't know the specifics, but he said he felt good to come back and, He's been. He's not underrated at all in the Nets organization. I, I see. I think it's quite similar for him with um, with Tim Duncan that they just go a little bit under the radar because they just, you know, they're not out there in any way. They don't. They don't do spectacular things. They're just ridiculously efficient in what they do. Um, and sometimes that doesn't get the headlines from the outset. Like I mean, when KD's dropping thirty points a game, when you're showing the highlights, it's just going to be a KD. Um, but yeah, he's been absolutely incredible. Um, none of us were expecting, and we vitally need it. Without Lamarcus Aldridge, there's no way we'll, we'd be sitting where we are. And the other, not only offensively has he been good, but in terms of like rim protection, he's been surprisingly good as well. Um, better than he has in a lot of his career. Um, and now you have an opportunity to talk about your man. Talk about Blake this year. I mean, he's he's just carrying on from the reasons for why I loved him last year. It's coming. I mean, he, he's leading the league in charges taken. Um, he hasn't been shooting well at all, but it doesn't really matter. It's what he brings to the team and just effort. And like I say, he's done everything that he needed to in his career. He didn't need to to go to a team and. And at the way he did, I mean, he, I just love everything about it. the way he plays the game, just sliding around on his belly, just you know, to try and stop an outbound ball when you're already up ten with ten minutes, with sorry, ten seconds to go. He's just, he's just an incredible professional basketball player, basketball player, which, which, which is what I love about him. It's it's quite rare to see that these days. Um, there's a lot of, to coin your word, there's a lot of hoopla which goes with being an NBA player, and he's just. It's just good fun, isn't he? I just enjoy it. But he also does an incredible role for us defensively. Um, and uh, I think that often gets overlooked by my fanfare about him being a great guy. Is actually incredible, incredible basketball player too. So moving on a little bit. Uh, before I get to the next one, interesting question from uh, Rich Hunt in on the Twitch. Um, he's asked you if you've ever thought about doing a mystery box, uh, which I don't know if you, I've seen them with football shirts where you can buy, like you tell them your size and you get sent a random Jersey that you don't know what you're getting. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? Yeah. I've had a couple of questions asked for it, but it's the, the problem is, is for a mystery box with football shirts is you've got, 20 teams in every league in every country at the top of their game. Whereas in the NBA, you've got 30 teams. Mm. Um, so if I was, I just think of it personally, if, if I as a Nets fan ordered a mystery box and I get an RJ Barrett jersey come through, um, I'm going to be sending it back and saying, I'm not too interested in this. Thanks. I think it's, I think it's too small of a pool of teams to be able to do a mystery box. And because they're all playing in the same league, People are going to get things they don't want. Whereas if you're yeah. if you if you're an English if you're a supporter of the English league, you can get a jersey from Germany, France, um, Spain, and you'll kind of be happy with it. It won't really matter. Whereas every jersey you're going to get in the NBA, NBA is going to be a rival. 
And carrying on with jerseys. So the City Edition jerseys have dropped. Were there any standouts for you? Yeah, for me, uh, Wizards was right up there. Um, the OKC, which a lot of people don't like, is one of the cleanest jerseys I've seen in a long time. And I'm also a big fan of the Miami Heat jersey, which a lot of people didn't like. But I can guarantee you in around half a year's time, it will be one of the favourite jerseys of everyone's out there. Um, an, interesting. Incre- an incredible drop by them. It, what's interesting is you've picked entirely different ones from me as well. So here are the ones that I like. I like um, uh, the Rockets because it's based on the first NBA jersey I ever had was an Olajuwon one that was like the one that's based on. Uh, so that appeals to me. I've always liked that um, retro-looking Mavericks logo with the hat. So I like the Mavs. Uh, the Knicks one I like a lot because it reminds me of the like 99 kind of era jersey. Uh, actually, all of mine are just nostalgia ones, basically. So the Nets, I think, is amazing as well. The Wolves, I love. Um, yeah, they've done, a, they've done an incredible. It's very, very risky, which I quite like from like. It's very risky to do what they call just mixtape city editions to go back to um, historic jerseys, but putting a new slant on it um, because elder people, I include myself in that, we don't like change. <laughs> um, so to take classic jerseys and put a spin on them is a very, very risky thing to do, um, but they've done it incredibly well. I feel for them with the Celtics because there's not really much you can do when you've had the same jersey for 200 years. Um, but they tried, uh, but the rest of them are incredible. That uh, I can't comment on the Knicks jersey, it's nice, but I can't admit to liking it. Um, but yeah, some really nice ones. I'm just disappointed in Utah and the Suns. Um, mm. same, yeah. I, if you had to pick any that you are your least favored of these, which would you pick? <laughs> I'm going to have to say the two, which people are just going to say I'm just sad because of the teams, but the Pacers and the Celtics are just, the, the Celtics just looks all wrong. And I'm not saying it because it's playing, it just, it's, it's like the back of the jersey is completely different to the front. And the Pacers is just, I don't know, it looks, the Pacers to me looks like a fake jersey. Yeah, I kind of it's based on an old one. I'm I'm sure you know already. And like I I like the idea behind it. I don't like the actual jersey because the idea is to play on the Indianapolis 500, the raceway, the yada yada. So I like I like the idea behind it. I just don't like the jersey. I do not like the Magic jersey. Um, Detroit feels like a waste. Um, I, any because not- I feel like with City editions, there's like the real room to be more creative. And so I always find the ones where they just like churn out a jersey that looks like the jerseys they already have. I always find that really disappointing. Yeah, the the, the Chicago Bulls is quite annoying to me because the sides of it just ruin it for me. It's a it's a classic jersey with a lot of meaning for them, but the sides are just bizarre. Um, I don't really get it. Okay, so uh, moving away from jerseys, moving away from the Nets, um, one of the biggest events that happened this week was uh, LeBron and uh, Isaiah Stewart getting um, physical. Um, LeBron James' elbow, or it's hard to say elbow because it's not clear if he actually made contact with his elbow or his hand or his forearm or, or what, but Whatever he did, the end result was Isaiah Stewart bleeding profusely and chasing him round like a Benny Hill sketch. It was incredible. What did you make of the incident? And one game suspension for LeBron, who was kind of the instigator in, on this one, was that okay for, as a punishment? Did he deserve worse? And obviously there was financial um, implications too. What did you, what did you make of it? Um, I'm not surprised that he only got one game. Um, because I think that decision was put, was made by people that don't play sport. Um, I was really, really disappointed. I think everyone knows how big a LeBron fan I am. And I think it was absolutely horrendous what he tried to do. We say it wasn't an elbow. He, he, he tried to elbow him. And luckily, he didn't because there would have been 
serious damage if they hadn't, not just artificial um, damage. It, the action, the force of what he did wasn't trying to remove someone's arm. Um, I, I hate to be a person that says if you played sport, you know what he's doing, but anyone that's been in that type of situation in different types of sport too, there was malice and there was intent there to, to hurt and injure the opponent, which is really, really disappointing. As I say, everyone knows how high I am on LeBron. But his, and, and Isaiah Stewart's reaction, yeah, it wasn't right. Do I understand why it happened? Absolutely. This, this is a guy which is people's idols. And he's just seen him try to very, very nearly, I'm not exaggerating to say, ended his career. He was very close to fracturing his eye socket there, and that's his career over. Um, so am I surprised by Isaiah Stewart's reaction? No, not so. Um, would I have possibly done the same thing? Yeah, I would have been pissed. Um, would I have run the gauntlet? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's it's very, very hard to defend LeBron in any way, though, and I find it very hard that people are defending him. And here's a question I don't expect you to have the answer to, or anyone to have the answer to, but it's more of uh, what I was thinking about um, when I saw it at the time. But with uh, and a lot has been talked about with um, the league rules changing and more physicality being allowed in the game, and whether it's inevitable that as players get more used to what they can and can't do, um, having played under different rules for a number of years now, suddenly with defenders being able to be more physical, there being more like physical confrontation that builds up until it explodes in this kind of way. Is it just inevitable that these types of things are going to be more common if the league goes down this route? I think maybe the reactions are going to become more common because I think part of these rule changes is a cop out for the for how bad the officiating is. Um, that it gives them a cop out, it gives them a reason to say because it's just if anything for me, it's just made it even more inconsistent now. Because you'll see fouls given for minimal contact, but then you can still hip thrust backing up to the basket whenever you want. It's just it's just so bizarre to me that it's a cop-out. So are we going to see those reactions? Absolutely, because players aren't going to feel protected. Um, and not everyone is a seven-foot monster. You know, you've got to think of these smaller players which rely on skill, which rely on their games to do that, that they're going to need protection. And at some point, they're not going to get that. And if players are concerned for their careers, then they're going to react in that way. Yeah, uh, I, I do agree with everything you said there. So if we can move on now to my favourite part of the show. Uh, Kirk, if you can hit the sound. Nothing but Nick's silly nonsense. Awesome. Okay, inspired by your tweet about how well-suited Isaiah Stewart would be to the Gladiators event gauntlet, I found myself in complete agreement but it also raised a huge number of questions. And for anyone listening not aware, particularly if you're under, I don't know, 28 or so, um, Gladiators was a TV show on primetime on Saturday night that's like somewhere between actual sport and professional wrestling. It's like somewhere in between that was made up of a number of very specific events, um, which I'll, I'll get to. So we're going to run through some other Gladiators events. And I want Elliot to tell me uh, who you think would be best suited to that event from the world of basketball, past or present. So we're going to start with the duel. And this was an event, um, if you're not aware, there was essentially like two um, columns uh, up in the air that people had giant cotton buds and had to smack each other off of the columns. Uh, so... Who have you got for that event? I have got Bol Bol. Why Bol Bol? Of his incredible reach that he wouldn't be able to be touched by his opponent. So it's all it's a game there of reach and balance. So he'd literally just need to stand there and swing his arms. The other person would have to reach over. So the slightest touch and they're gone. I have picked uh, Ben Wallace for several reasons. A, he's an absolute 
psychopath and physical specimen who I feel like it'd be impossible to get off and just like an absolute animal in hitting people. But I also would just like to see if it was even possible to squeeze that afro into a helmet or not. I don't know. Maybe that works as his own helmet and he has better vision because he doesn't need to wear one. I don't know. But there was there was in the second series a gladiator with an afro. Sure there was. We'll have to look that up later. Yeah. (laughs) So second event. Hang Tough, which um, this is quite a difficult one to describe. Uh, So there's two platforms at either end of where they do it. And there's rings suspended from the ceiling. And the contestant has to get from one platform to the other. And the gladiator has to stop them by intercepting them and like pulling them off the rings, basically. So who are you going for that one? So I have gone for, because it is a game of grace. Clyde the Glide Drexler. Nice. I like that a lot. <laughs> Just, yeah, that's all it takes. Just glide through. It's all about grace and how you do it. Yeah, I can see that working well. I went in the complete opposite direction. And uh, you had the son. I've got the dad. I've got uh, Minute Bowl, who he had the longest ever wingspan in the NBA. Eight foot six. So... I'm pretty sure he could actually just have his feet on the floor and just be like pretending to be doing stuff while he holds the rings, which is just a complete unfair advantage. Um, so yeah, uh, Manute Bowl I've gone for. Um, Atlas Spheres. So Atlas Spheres was a weird one where it's like you're in a giant metal Zorb, which is a big uh, sphere for anyone who doesn't know what a Zorb is. And you had to run over like... Um, pods almost that like let off steam and got you points as you went off and the gladiators had to they were also in metal zorbs and had to stop you so uh who have you gone for uh well that that's mine's been influenced by this week which is uh terry rosier mm. <laughs> his ability to be able to spin a ball and change direction <laughs> like like a flash yeah, I like that one. I, I wish I thought of that one. I thought I was thinking about the event and I thought, right, you need a low center of gravity for this to get the ball rolling and changing directions. I've gone for Mr. Junk in the Trunk himself, Carl Lowry. May get stuck in the they were like geysers. Geyser the right words, was that what they're called? Yeah. But there was times when people got stuck in the geyser and they were just like smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next one powerball which is um it's kind of like you had to pick up sponge balls and this was kind of like rugby american football style so the gladiators were standing there trying to stop you getting the ball into these like containers that were in the middle of a big square basically and then you had to keep trying uh it was for a certain time uh and the ones in the middle were worth more points than the ones on the end so who did you have for this? Now, this was the most violent game of Gladiators. This was where all the injuries were. And I've just gone with Shaq. Because before they can even move, you could tackle them in any way you wanted. So Shaq would just wrap them up and ruin them, basically. I have cheated here. And I've got two answers. Because I feel like there was two approaches to this game. Where you could be uh, low to the ground and super quick. And... Uh, it it could be like tougher for bigger guys to or or women to um to tackle them. So my first one is Nate Robinson for that direction. I feel like he's a good like he's he's completely rotund. He's squat. He can he's super quick. I think he he would have been good. And in the opposite direction, I've gone for the guy who physically is basically an NFL player anyway in LeBron, who would just go through people basically. So yeah, two different approaches to that game. Um, and finally, uh, Gladiators was always decided by the Eliminator, which was essentially like a kind of beefed up military assault course involving lots of different stages. Um, but finishing in the Travelator, which was like a, um, uh, I guess like an in, a, run, a really high incline running machine that was, I don't know, 20 foot long or something. So who have you gone for here? As, again, mine's quite recent just because I'm still blown away by the clip of um, his him catching a ball at a ridiculous height, which is Jalen Green. 
you just need a pure athlete for there. It, it, just the athleticism of that just absolutely blew me away. Um, yeah, so I'd go with Jeffrey. Yeah, he's a good one. I've picked, uh, again, I've picked two here because I couldn't choose between them, but I've gone for the same reasoning in terms of just like, this was like an all-round athlete type of event. Um, and I think the best two all-around athletes I've ever seen in the NBA are Russell Westbrook and uh, prime Derek Rose pre-injury, obviously. Just like um, inhuman levels of athleticism, both of those guys. Um, okay, and the bonus question uh, which if you had to take one of the original Gladiator cast and put them in the NBA today, who would it be? What team are you putting them on and why? I've gone a little bit rogue here and I've not gone with a Gladiator. I've gone with a contestant and I've gone with Wesley Two Scoops. I remember him. He was insane. Was to flat foot jump over a car. Um, and... I don't see what more you could want in an NBA player than a person that could just jump over a car as his intro. Um, who, what team would he be on? I don't really care. I just want to see Wesley Two Scoops in there jumping over. But the, the reason why I'd want him is also for the walk-ons that he could jump over a car as he's coming into the arena. Nice. I like that. I have gone for um, for a very specific reason where... We had the Jokic uh, and Morris incident recently. And one thing that struck me was uh, on that team, none of the Nuggets were, for my money, quickly were quick enough to like stand up for Jokic. And so he didn't actually have to get involved himself. And so for that reason, I've taken Shadow from the original cast, who uh, was an absolute... He was essentially Ben Wallace, as I was describing him, and Jewel. That was Shadow was that guy in real life, basically, in the Gladiators. So, and I've put him in, on the Nuggets as their enforcer for Jokic, as his bodyguard, essentially. Nice. nice. And on that note, we're going to end our Gladiator chat. Um, we're going to talk, a, uh, let's summarise what's been uh, happening on our Discord server. If you are not already a member, do get involved. It's a fun place. We chat about basketball all the time. Let's do a quick um, update on uh, the Fancy League. In At the top, we have um, Ben Bean, our guest last week, still 5-0, and undefeated. We also have Southampton Top Shot, run by, whose team is that? Uh, Sam Chadwick, also undefeated. Uh, Elliot, how are you doing in the league? I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest. I was doing fine. <laughs> I had my, uh, had my results reversed midweek. I even got the confetti for, reaching, for beating Rich Barrett. And then it all changed. So, um, Stuart's inquiry, I think, going on there. But I'm actually quite pleased because I've won two. I'm about to win a third. Um, I think I've won two. But yeah, I've already equaled last year's wins. So, you know, you can only get better. Our commiserations go to Harry Harrison sitting at the bottom, 0-5, destined to give his best players to Rich uh, before the end of the year, no doubt. Uh, Unsuspiciously, of course. (laughs) And uh, what else has been happening? We have... um, Oh, yeah, we had a conversation around a apparently obscene shadow photo that appeared of Chris Paul and Landry Shamet, which, if you have not seen it, it's worth checking out. Looks like something rude is happening in uh, the shadows, but you can see not really from because you can see the actual players. Worth checking out. And um, also a little bit chat about the fact uh, GB game coming up against Greece uh, tomorrow night. Um, maybe already happened if you're listening to this after the fact. Uh, up in Newcastle. If you're in the area, um, definitely try and check that out. Support the team. Um, And on to uh, listener questions. So this was uh, Ben Bean, our guest from last week. Um, I'm going to read it and I'm going to tell you what I understood from it because it didn't make a huge amount of sense to me. (laughs) After the Lakers versus Pistons game, maybe the NBA's fights slash fighters can have serious answers like Rodman or have funny ones like what if Muggsy Bogues fought Manute Bowl? So there was no real actual question in there. There was just a series of statements. But what I think I understand from there is if you could choose uh, anyone from the world of basketball, past or present, to square off, who are you choosing and why? 
Um, mine is just to finally answer the ongoing question, which happens all the time. Just MJ versus LeBron, just fight to the death. Mm-hmm. One person wins, one person loses, and it stops the greatest of all time debate. And mine, mm-hmm. Miller. Mine is uh, Nikola Jokic's brothers and anyone. <laughs> I, I don't care who it is. Them taking on everyone, or does it well, have to be two people? This is the thing. Like it's it's a real thing in celebrity and social media culture now that boxing matches for non-professional boxers are big events. I would pay to watch the Jokic brothers fight some sort of like two on two. I don't care who the other people are. I just want to see it. I want to see if all the hype around them is justified. Would you want it in a boxing match or would it be better as a TLC? I think a tables, ladders and chairs match would be yeah. a lot with them. Agreed. From- Agreed. They seem like the hardcore rules type. So, yeah, totally there. Um, Mike Millertime asked a kind of related question to Ben's, which is, uh, do you, this is a very violent podcast. Um, do you have a favourite NBA fight of all time? It's okay if you don't, because it's quite weird to have one. Uh, to be honest, I can't recall that many fights, um, as in proper, <clears throat> proper fights. Although I did enjoy, um, I think it was last season. It may have been the season. I don't, the last couple of seasons have kind of all been amalgamated into one for me. But there was a college game where it just went all into the crowd. Um, started off just by going past the ring and then went all into the crowd. And then there was sort of just popcorn flying everywhere. And it looked to me more like a sort of cartoon Space Jam fight where just everything was flying up. Um, but I can't, re- I can't really think of any proper fights. Mine, I have a very clear one, and um, only because it was very memorable for a specific reason. So mine is Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson um, in uh, get the, the first round of the 1998 playoffs, I believe. Um, game four, which the Knicks won. Um, but the thing, there was a lot around it. So Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson were teammates uh, at the Hornets when they were both drafted. And they had a big rivalry as to like who was the star player and who got paid what and all this sort of stuff. So when they played for different teams, that rivalry carried on. And every time they played each other, there was kind of like uh, a kind of edge to it. Um, and then it kind of exploded in this game. And then Jeff Van Gundy, who was the Knicks coach at the time, dove on Alonzo Mourning's leg and just like hung, hung, like just holds onto it like this. And Alonzo Mourning's like fighting round the court with Jeff Van Gundy being pulled by it's, it. was so good. Um, so for that reason, that is my favourite NBA fight of all time. I should have, um, I should have said Nets fans are going to show me. I should have said uh, Dudley against Ben Simmons. Which I very, very nearly bought his game worn jersey from that game. But I did it because I'm oh, wow. in a Dudley game worn jersey. It was just the fact that he went to fight Ben Simmons. And on to games of the week. I have picked um, the Knicks at the Hawks because I was going to pick the Nets game, but I thought you were going to probably pick that. So I didn't. Uh, Knicks at Hawks. 12.30 Saturday night, Sunday morning, depending on how you're looking at that. And the reason I picked that is because um, basically I want revenge for what happened in the playoffs. So I'm going to be watching that one intensely. What have you picked? I was going to pick that just for pure Trey Young doing the same thing. Um, and it would be the Suns versus Nets, but I'm not sure if I'd enjoy that. So I'll go with the Heat and the Bulls, both with the same record at the moment, top of the table clash which is, again, Saturday night or Sunday morning at one o'clock. I think that'll be a good, good game. But two teams which are surprising a lot of, a lot of people. Um, but yeah, should be fun. And finally, our early tip game this weekend, Warriors at Clippers. That's a good one. 8.30pm Sunday night. What are you going to be watching for in that game? Uh... It's going to be Steph versus PG, isn't it? But, I mean, PG is proving a lot of people wrong. Um, some people would say the Warriors are proving a lot of people wrong, but some of us predicted the Warriors to be in the finals this season at the start. I am going to be looking for, can the Clippers find a third scorer? Um, without Kawhi, 
Reggie Jackson's really stepped up. He's been really good. Paul George is having kind of MVP level performances night after night. But do they have that third scorer? Because I think they're going to need one um, to have a chance in that game. And okay, thank you everyone for dropping in tonight. If you're live or if you're lifting up, listening afterwards, thank you very much indeed. Um, do check out our website, our Discord server, follow us on the socials, Double Clutch UK. Uh, where can people find you, Elliot? Uh, so Instagram is Hooping and Looting. Uh, Twitter is Looting. Um, they decided to delete half my name, uh, which was fun. And the website, hoopingandlooting.com. Big thanks to uh, Leopard Print Princess 69 exclamation mark. Great name there for following us on Twitch. And also uh, Rich Fang 8 subscribed last week. If you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to us for free. It helps us. Doesn't hurt you in any way. So really appreciate that. Um, and with that, I will thank everyone one more time and say good night. Shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't